Hey friends, Eric Feltis back with another episode of The Great Unbecoming, and we have a very special two-part episode for you. Um, I have the pleasure of talking with two of my clients, Tim Lenko and Brandon Koble, who've both been with me for a little over a year at this point. And I thought that this would be really suitable for Pride because my clients are what I'm proud of, their transformation, being a part of their transformational transformative journey is something that I'm very proud of. Uh, I like to think of the 10 week shame free program as sort of the opposite of conversion therapy, uh, where conversion therapy tries to kind of force you to be something you're not. Uh, the shame free gay life program encourages you and helps you and inspires you to be who you have always uh, been meant to be, which is exactly aligned with what this whole podcast is as well unbecome that which no longer serves you and become who you've always been meant to be. Um, so yeah, this is a two-part episode. The first part today, you're going to meet Tim and Brandon and you're going to hear about, you know, their lives, you know, growing up all the way to the point of them meeting me. So today's episode kind of shows you what some of my clients' journeys look like until they meet me and uh, kind of get involved in the shame-free community in the program. Y'all, if this inspires you, or or I should say, you know, if you're hearing their stories and think, oh my gosh, that's me, I resonate with so much of what they're saying, reach out to me. You know, what do you have to lose? You can email me, eric at lifecoachingbyfeltis.com. You can message me on Instagram, Eric Feltis, E-R-I-C-F-E-L-T-E-S. All you have to do is one word, type the word help. That's it. You don't need to say or do anything else. You don't have to have the words yet. Um, reach out to me. I'll see what I can do for you. I have a ton of free resources as well. So we'll just talk and kind of see where it goes from there. Uh, thank you for being a part of this journey with us. And without further ado, here is part one of my conversation with Tim and Brandon. Hello, my friends, Eric Feltis here, life coach, speaker, actor, and host of The Great Unbecoming. This is a show about stories of unlearning. What did you let go of in order to become the person you are today? And what did you gain and learn as well? This is a show about letting go of stories that no longer serve us and stepping into our own authenticity. It's about unbecoming what society says you should be and remembering who you are and who you are meant to be. So sit back, relax, and welcome to The Great Unbecoming. Hello, my friends, and welcome to another episode of The Great Unbecoming. I'm so happy to have you here. This is my first episode I've ever done with not one, but two guests. And I want to start out by saying this. The relationship between a life coach and a client is unlike any other relationship I have ever experienced in my life, particularly working with gay, bi, trans, people who identify as male, to become more resilient to shame, right? Shame hates to be talked about. It hates to, to have words put upon it. And what I have recognized with my clients is that a great tool that I can use with my clients is, uh, is storytelling and is, is telling my own story. And unlike therapy, you know, the therapists can't do that as much, right? Um, but unlike therapy, as a coach, I have the honor and privilege of, of being able to share my own story. 
with my clients, that creates a very unique relationship. Um, there is definitely right that boundary, that professional boundary of a coach and a client, but there is a, a level of intimacy you don't see in other relationships. When I started my business, I didn't realize how much I would be moved by forming relationships with my clients as much as I have. I didn't realize how much I would get out of this work. Uh, I thought it would really only be one-sided. I didn't realize I would get that much out of it, but that's what a community is, right? It goes both ways. And I have two guests on today who are a part of my program. Uh, They're a part of the leadership program. So I have a 10-week shame-free gay life program. I also have an ongoing monthly leadership program. I like to say that when it comes to community building, competence building, uh, uh, becoming resilient to that shame, learning how to love yourself as you are. I like to say that the 10-week program teaches you how to swim, but the leadership program teaches you how to be an Olympic athlete. Now, here is the challenge. When you are a coach for Olympic athletes, that means you have to be on your game. The two men that I have on this call today are have both been with me, one a little over a year, one almost reaching a year. <laughs> and my goodness, do they make me work. Because I have to listen, if I want to lead people, I gotta I gotta keep growing and keep learning. So they make me a better person on a daily basis. So I'm so excited to introduce my two guests, Tim Lenko and Brandon Coble. Um, before I let them talk, I swear I let them talk more than I'm letting them talk right now. I wanna I wanna read a little bit likely they're like, story. They're, they're like, that's not true. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't ask you two to talk yet. Don't let him fool you. <laughs> I wanna read their bios real quick. So Tim Lenko is a writer and performer based in Saskatchewan, Canada. He's produced nearly a dozen plays, just premiered his first indie short film, uh, Fear and Trembling, which he gave me honor of reading. Uh, directed by Jeremy Ratzlaff, and is also the host of his own podcast, Putting the Squid to Bed, a podcast about creative people and their craft. Tim is an Enneagram 4 Wing 3, the eldest of eight kids, and once nearly drowned while on duty as a lifeguard. Dun, dun, dun. Wait, pause, pause, pause. Before we get to Brandon, I have so many questions. Uh Tell me first the story of almost drowning as a lifeguard. So, uh, so being a lifeguard was my high school job. And um, so when I was 17 and my brain was not fully developed, I was actually, so I, I um, misled you slightly with the story. I was actually teaching lessons at that moment. I was teaching other junior lifeguards. So I was training them in this particular. Uh, that's so much version. better. You're a writer and like, that's a better story. I mean, a little more humiliating, but please humiliate yourself here. (laughs) Totally. So I was teaching this group of junior high, uh, junior lifeguards, and um, they had done a good job of the spinal rollovers. All the lifeguards out there will know exactly what that involves. It involves, yeah, Brandon, you're a lifeguard, aren't you? I I was a lifeguard, yeah, for a while. Nice. So these kids did a great job. I asked them what they wanted to do, and they're like, can we rescue someone from a wheelchair? And my 17-year-old brain went back and forth between, well, that's not in the curriculum and that might not be safe, but boy, that would be cool. <laughs> and so we pulled out a, a wheelchair. I got into it. I strapped myself into it. I tried to, I showed them how to rescue me. I tried to let them rescue me. This is safe to tell now because it's too, like it's 17 years ago, 16 years ago. So I don't think they can retroactively fire me. <laughs> but yeah, wow. my students miss remembered my instructions and they uh almost didn't save me so i nearly died while teaching them how to save i'm people. i'm this is such like i knew it would be a good story but oh my 
Yeah. God, Tim, you strapped yourself in? <laughs> I know. I was a fool. I was 17. It was half my life ago. I've grown up since then. <laughs> oh, my God. I'm never going to let this go. This is such a good story <laughs> that I'm gonna that I'm gonna hold like over your head. I like to tell my clients, y'all, that like I, I intentionally put shame into them so that they always need me. It's kind of <laughs> yeah. It keeps me in business. Um, <laughs> shame is exciting. Tim, also before we move on to Brandon, I Brandon, by the way, good luck topping that story. Um, yes, I, I also like pitting my clients against each other. Tim, I also space. yeah, very. <laughs> it's so healthy. Tim, I want you to talk about putting the squid to bed. Where did you come up with this title and what's it about? Oh, yeah. So um, I've always been a writer and a performer. Like the first thing that I wrote down uh, when I was a kid, I wrote a book that was like two pages long and then I bound it. I, I drew a picture on uh, lined paper and then I bound it with using yarn. So ever since then, I've always been so drawn to creative projects. And I've always had the struggle with projects never seem finished they always challenge you if you're engaged with them they challenge you and there, there's always something new to do there's always some something to polish there's always something to fix there's always something to add it just never seems like they're done and this image um i read in a book once i can't remember the author but the idea of putting a squid to bed involves tucking each of their legs under the covers but every time you get one or two legs under there's four or five more that have poked back out and so it never feels finished Hmm. and you just do so the idea is you just do your best and um it's it it comes more it comes down more to surrender than actually completing Hmm. and like arriving and being done and finished and perfect that Um, sounds so Yeah. So the podcast is interviews with other creative people who do different things and to talk to them about their journey of discovery, exploration, and then surrender of the projects that um, you never can get perfect. I just love that title. And um, and it it really does lean into the discomfort and and kind of pushing against the grain of perfectionism, doesn't it? Mm -hmm. Um, By the way, you saw that I just interrupted you and Funny story, I interrupt all the time, but y'all know that. So I asked both of these guys questions in an email. I said, these are the questions that I may or may not get to when I talk to you. <laughs> Tim, Brandon sent me a long like, res- written response to each of the questions. And I was like, dude, oh, amazing. I don't need that. I just needed the response to the bio. And his response was, well, I know you're going to interrupt me anyway. So I wanted to have prepared <laughs> responses for when it happens. <laughs> he knows you really well. He does, and I hate him for it. Speaking of this <laughs> jerk, um, let's talk about Brandon. Let's talk. Brandon is a native of the greater Los Angeles area and grew up in a conservative, evangelical, and non-affirming spaces. He works in the construction industry and likes to spend his free time outside gardening or in nature. He's a bit of a know-it-all, but in the best way, question mark? He put the question mark in, not me. All of that is true, both know-it-all and is it in the best way? <laughs> He loves being helpful or sharing what he's learned with those around him. That is true. Brandon came out in his 30s and has spent the last year working on building up the communities he belongs in. Um, here's the thing, a couple of things about Brandon. Uh, he is a know-it-all. Like, literally, I was telling Megan this. He knows everything. Like, someone hit my, I don't know if I told you this, Tim. Someone hit my my driver's side mirror and knocked, like, the cap off and the, and the mirror part and decided I definitely need to get a whole new one and he's like 
very understated in a very Brandon way. <laughs> yeah, we could fix that. I'm like, what do you mean we can fix that? He goes, we just have to order the part and install. I'm like, I don't think it's that easy. He goes, I think I'm pretty sure I can do it. And it's like, I love and I hate it because I feel so incompetent. I took him over to see my my back my new backyard space. And he's like, this plant is called the derp, 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 derp. And it needs this much water. And you need to do this. And the reason it's feeling this way. I'm like, you're a walking encyclopedia. Oh, by the way, my goal for this whole thing is to not let Brandon talk at all. <laughs> you're crushing it so far. Brandon, I have a question for you. Am I allowed to answer? <laughs> yes. But I had to look at your bike. Oh, oh, so you're in construction. I have a serious question. What is the difference between cement and concrete? Or is there a difference? Oh. Oh, <laughs> sir. Um, well, my entire life is concrete because I work specifically in concrete construction. That's something maybe would have been funnier for the audience, so it wasn't like an inside joke. He works in he works in concrete construction, and I said cement once, and he almost bit my head off because it's not the same thing. Apparently, cement is one of the ingredients in concrete, like flour is to cake. That's a great, great metaphor. I understand now. I don't know why you didn't tell me that. The first I'm time. pretty sure you I used that same sentence. <laughs> I mean, maybe my eyes just glazed over when you started talking about concrete. <laughs> hey, y'all, I promise I'm a much more attentive person when we're on the clock, just not when we're not on the clock. Anyway, I think I'm just going to end this now. This isn't helping anyone. Um, anyway, I'm really <laughs> glad that both of you... Thank you for coming to The Great Unbecoming. <laughs> this was a great episode. <laughs> Have a really good yeah. week, guys. Questions for both of you. Let's do some round robin. Um, how did we meet... Um, uh, oh, go ahead. Tim. Go ahead, Brandon. No, 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 it's all you. Okay. Um, Eric, you and I met on Instagram. I was uh, kind of in in the journey of figuring out, okay, what am I doing with the intersection of my sexuality and my faith? And I was beginning to, mm. as I was going through a lot of praying and fasting and like discerning, okay, I think that God is actually more okay with this than I initially thought. Um, I started reaching out online to try and find people uh, that were in that, that were on that journey to, to just touch base and like, cause I had no one like that in my circle here yeah. geographically. Yeah. And um, so I just went, reached out. I actually literally just opened up Instagram and, st- and searched the hashtag gay Christian. It feels wow. cringy to say it, but uh, your, your posts came up with that and I sent you a DM and then we started talking and then eventually... Eventually, we <laughs> ended up here. Yeah, well, it is It is so funny that you said cringy because I still use that hashtag. Thank you very much. I'm glad that people think it's cringy. <laughs> it worked. No, me it is worked. cringy. Thinking like, okay, I just want to find these people, so I will search But did hashtag. it work for you? Did it work for you, though? 100%. God works we in, are. Cringe, in cringe-worthy ways. He does. You He's are the least worthy. Yeah, you are worthy yeah, of the cringe. foolishness of man. <laughs> yeah, it's the wisdom of God. So you, that's so funny. You search the hashtag. I was gonna say cringe word, cringe word, Christian. <laughs> that's a good hashtag. <laughs> that's the circle that I'm going to search next. Those are going to be my new friends. I might have to use that at some point. Um, that could be a whole series. The cringe word, Christian. There is enough of them. Um, Brandon, how did we meet? Well, you slid into my DMs. Um. It sounds about right. Yeah, it was it was on Instagram. I 
think I had followed you like a week or something before. And I finally, and I like just reacted to one of your, um, reels in your stories or something or a TikTok you shared in your stories. And then, uh, you asked me a lot of very insightful questions. And it was shortly after I had, uh, quit my therapist who just told me I needed to go out and have a lot of sex to cure myself. Um, and you mean, I didn't say that to you right away too. No, you were, you were like, Oh, okay. You're a teeny bit broken. <laughs> also, what's the difference between concrete and cement? You did ask me that also. Um, <laughs> to be clear, y'all, we're joking. I would never call a client broken. I would never call a human being broken because we are not broken. We're just messy. Correct. Um, but I, I had a lot of things I was trying to figure out. And I don't remember how my algorithm got to you. But at some point, I was doom scrolling. And I was like, oh, this guy has some good things to say. He's also not terrible to look at. Mm. I did not pay him to say that. He didn't. Yeah. So we met on, yeah, so we met through Instagram. I want to talk to both of you and, and, and maybe we can, again, this is very new to me having two people at the same time. So this might be a little messy, but I want to hear about your own intersectionalities between, you know, Tim, you touched on this a little bit. Let's start with you. Like, what was it like building up to reaching out to me? Like where, where did you stand with God? Where did you stand with your sexuality and how did you get to that place? Yeah, totally. I, uh, so I grew up in a Northwest Saskatchewan, small rural Baptist church and uh, it was typical. It was a uh, really close-knit, very conservative place that highly valued hospitality and outreach. And like there was, there was a, a lot of outreach work. There's a, there was a Bible camp that, that, um, to serve kids and families. And there was, um, um, a lot of Christmas programs and, and things for outreach. And, um, and they taught us the Bible, the, the story back to front or front to back, <laughs> sometimes back to front as well. Um, right, well, yeah. Um, and it was never, um, a really, really big, sharp conversation, but it was deeply understood that uh, traditional marriage, man and woman, was the only way. And so there was never any, like, gay bashing preaching. There was just this undercurrent of, like, okay, we don't want this thing that threatens marriage to advance any further. And yeah. um, that was kind of, like, just the understanding. So I grew I up with call that. that passive conversion therapy. Like it wasn't so outward because yeah. I experienced most of that in my life too. Of just like, don't talk about it, but because we're not talking about it, it's going to make you feel bad about it as opposed to being super mm. direct towards. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. That makes a lot of sense. And mm -hmm. this whole time I knew that I was gay. There was no time of my life that I didn't know uh, that, that it was, that it was a man that I wanted to be with one day. Um, yeah. Wow. And uh, so I knew that this difference would, would be something that would uh, potentially lose me my community. And like the people that were around me were so, so, so important to me. And um, so I did my best to fit um, the mold, even though I spilled out of the mold so much all the time anyway. So I, it was always this back and forth of trying and then not trying and then trying and not trying to fit in. But um, yeah. uh, so went to Bible college after, after high school, um, uh, studied a lot, became like a little bit more convinced, like, okay, I guess the traditional like side B, like, like looking at it, the traditional way is the right way. Like I don't see any other way in the Bible. Pause. And then um, explain for anyone yeah. who doesn't know what side B is real quick. Yeah, totally. So, 
uh, side A would be Christians who affirm uh, gay and queer sexual expressions of sexuality and marriage. And, um, and then side B would be people who embrace the identity marker of gay, uh, but say that uh, marriage is reserved f- and sexuality at large is reserved for one man and one woman. So traditional marriage. And then um, there are other perspectives that I can't remember all of the labels, but there are some who would sure. say the word gay is not even appropriate. Are there others who, you know, ex-gay is a, another thing entirely too. Right. So we use these terms a lot, so it's easy to forget that not everyone does. So what I'm hearing you say is that through college into your early adult years, you recognize that you were gay or quote unquote, same sex attracted, Mm -hmm. which is often used with the side B community, but didn't feel it was, it was okay for you to act on it. Absolutely. Yeah. Okay. Totally. All right. So that's where you were. Yeah. Mid, mid, probably early, mid twenties and yeah, early twenties. And I had this like this dread dreaded feeling because uh, I felt really, really torn. I was like, I believe in Jesus. I believe in God. I trust him. And everyone around me is telling me that the way I feel about wanting to connect with another human being on, on this, like this, this um, sexual um, covenantal level uh, is wrong. And it's antithetical to loving Jesus and following Jesus. So I was like, one of two things is going to happen. I'm either going to pop one day and I'm going to run away from Jesus so that I can live my best gay life. Or I'm going to, this depression is going to mount and mount until the point where I do something more drastic about it and I take a different exit ramp. And um, can I pause you? I, yeah. I, I want you, I think this is super important because I'm seeing Brandon nod and I'm wondering if this is a common, if this is a universal experience as well. Um, what I'm hearing you say is like, it got to the point where I'm going to explode and I either have to choose being gay or I have to choose Jesus. And if I don't do one of those things, then I'm going to look for a way out. Did I hear you right, Tim? Absolutely. Yep. And, and I'm seeing a lot of nods, Brandon. can. So I want to come back to you in a minute, Tim, but Brandon, mm-hmm. can we take you up until that same that same point in your life where you felt that yeah so um i grew up also in a baptist church but it was not a small village or you know town um it was in a much larger city outside of la um small church that kind of my uh became a medium-sized mega church and um my family was pretty involved with the church and uh, I just similar to like what Tim said, there was a lot of passive comments about um, the LGBT QIA plus community um, and, you know, women and everything. Um, Nothing that was like overt um, until I was probably closer to high school um, when the church left whatever, um, Baptist conference that we belonged in because they permitted a woman to be lead pastor for a church somewhere. And then later we left whatever conference we, we, uh, the church had joined following that, uh, because they allowed a, um, gay pastor to be, or a gay man to be head pastor at another church. And so, um, it was never a space. No, no, no. The, the church, left the oh, conference oh, oh, that they oh, belonged oh. to. Got it, got it, got it, got it. Yeah, yeah. Okay. so we were like Southern Baptists and then American Baptists, I think, 
Um, and then they just became non-affiliated with the conference, with any conference from what I understand. Um, <clears throat> but by that time I had kind of dissociated from the church. Um, but similar to kind of Tim's experience, um, I was in high school during California's Prop 8 um, campaign for, you know, protecting marriage. Um, and so our church mm-hmm. was handing out bumper stickers and lawn signs and flyers. And, um, you know, we had a lawn sign outside of our house. And so that kind of instilled in me that whatever feelings I was trying to figure out uh, was not something that I could do. It was not something that was going to be that I not something that was going to be safe for me to do and not something that was going to be okay for me to do in um, my household. And so um, I kind of dug my heels in and I was like, I'm going to be straight. I'm going to date girls. I'm going to try to join the the youth leadership in my high school youth group, um, which they wouldn't let me uh, probably because I was less passing than I thought. Um, Jeez, just by like, yeah, just by appearing. Let me, I want to ask you a question real quick. You had like a prop, you had like a defense, you know, for traditional marriage sign in your yard, Mm -hmm. your parents' yard. And that gave you the sign, oh, wow, I'm not safe here. So many haters that I see in the comment section, I know are gay themselves. So many of them don't know what to do with those intolerable beliefs that maybe they're gay. So instead of processing them themselves, they purge them onto people like me because people that are living their best lives infuriate them. And so it's, you know, the pot calling the kettle black. So did you take part in any of that, Brandon? Or did you, did you just internalize it? Like I'm not safe here. Or did you think that by being actively anti-gay, there's no judgment here, that by being anti-gay, that that might help cure you and make you more straight? No, I absolutely took part in, in it. Um, Does that make you uncomfortable? Is that why you're laughing? I mean, a little bit. I was actually just talking to a friend about this earlier today um, about, you know, growing up religious and having this like, because you are repressed that you uh, and you've like, you know, put that part of yourself in this in this box or this room and, you know, inside that you like can't stand that anyone else is doing it. Um, And I'm not saying that every I'm not saying that every queer basher or like hater of, you know, gay culture is necessarily gay themselves i I feel like that's a hard statistic to prove but i do think that people are afraid of things that they don't understand and when you have no exposure to it other than this is something to be afraid of or something that you know may hurt you know this is going to hurt your family um it was something that you know was scary of course Um, and there was i i I yeah I want to say, I get it. I want to affirm that y'all because like it takes courage to say that Brandon, it takes so much more courage to say, maybe I was wrong, right? Maybe I was projecting. Maybe, uh, I was, it was too intolerable. So instead of again, processing it myself, I'm going to, if I can't regulate my own feelings, I'm going to try legally to regulate the feelings of other people. Of course, none of us condone that, but I understand where that place comes from and to not stay there takes courage. Uh, And while you won't say that everyone who is outwardly homophobic is gay, uh, I will. There are studies that show that people who are 
outwardly gay are express homosexual tendencies themselves. You're right, Brandon. I can't prove that every single person is gay. But I would venture to put money on either everyone is gay, they are afraid they are gay, or they are afraid of someone close to them in their life is gay. And they think that if I do this outward violence towards a group of people that are just trying to live their lives, I can change myself or people close to me. And I think whether or not that's true or not, <laughs> I think that's what you were experiencing. So thank you for sharing yeah. that. Yeah. So, um, yeah, I definitely participate in some of the bullying. And um, fortunately, uh, after having come out myself, I was able to have conversations with a couple of the people that I bullied and apologize. Mm-hmm. And wow. um, and that was, uh, that was very pow- powerful for me. And I think, you know, very healing for them as well. Yeah, absolutely. Um, yeah, actually, I had a couple of those too, now that I think about it. And it really means a lot. It says a lot about the person's character when they're able to reflect. That's mm-hmm. all we can do. Brene Brown says, we're not here to be right. We're here to get it right. So that's a process of getting it right. And it takes courage. Um, back to you, Tim. So you were about ready to explode. And it sounds, maybe I'm wrong, but it sounds like where Brandon might have taken the approach of trying to regulate other people, it sounds to me like you took the approach of trying to regulate yourself. Yeah, absolutely. More of an internal struggle. Oh, totally. I did my best to try and understand the expectations of the people around me, particularly the close friends that I cared about and the authority figures that had uh, power over my life and the, the different places that I went to. Um, and I did uh, everything that I could to try and conform to those expectations, meet those expectations and then fit in um, so that I could survive. And, um, Survival. Yeah. and yeah, I knew that that would, yeah, then I knew that that would um, not be sustainable. Although I hoped that it would, uh, but I felt fated that it would not, that, that things would end in tragedy Um, uh, so as I was, there's two different groups of people that I would, um, you know, open up to. And uh, so, so I would open up to, to people about this, um, um, struggle, which is the word that I would, would have used at that point. And, um, there were people who were particularly interested in, uh, like, so most of them were compassionate, on both sides of this, this fence, but there were people who clearly prioritized the protection of the truth as they saw it. And then there were other people who, while they still, you know, prioritized, you know, they they still valued the truth as as they saw it, that being like traditional marriage, their priority was empathy for me. Hmm. And these two different groups, I had extraordinarily different experiences with the people who prioritized protecting their dogma and the people who prioritized listening and caring for and recognizing this dude is suffering. Um, And no matter what I think, I don't have to change my mind, but I'm going to be present with him and care for him because he's suffering a lot. And I am so grateful for those people. uh, Isn't it it wild? 
Sorry, Tim. Yeah. Again, well, which I, part I, of it? I, no, that's okay. infamous, I infamously interrupted you. Now I wish I did. And it didn't take what, Tim? Oh. Sorry. Oh, it didn't Finish take changing their minds to have empathy. Mm, it didn't got take it. changing their minds. And that's something that I would very much want. All of all of the people that I love who still believe in traditional marriage as the only expression of marriage for them to really internalize. They don't have to change their minds to be compassionate and make mm. space and care for struggling uh, suffering people in front of them. Question. When you do talk to the people that strongly, staunchly believe just in traditional marriage, do you ask them of the Bible, which of the eight types of marriage in the Bible do they mean is traditional considering marriage between a man and his slave is considered traditional and one of the eight types of marriage in the Bible? No, I just CC you on the email and let you ask. (laughs) And he does too. Y'all, I get fiery and not everyone's like this. Like, Tim Tim holds space for people who disagree much better than I do. And it's we all have different ministries, right? Like my ministry is helping and healing the people that have been burned. And if someone else can take the reins for other people, oh, my heart rate's going up. Okay. Um, and, now I, and I interrupted you and then I uninterrupted you and then I forgot what my original thought was. Dang it. That's okay. Uh, maybe it'll come back to you. But if you want, I can just keep going with the one p- part of the story that will probably take us up to. Okay. One of the people who were incredibly uh, empathetic and s- attentive to the suffering I was going through uh, became a person that I eventually confessed to I was when I said, do you think it's possible that God is okay with gay marriage? Because like that, that's that's what I wanted. I, I deeply wanted. I, I nowhere around me was there anyone who said that this was possible, hmm. and I f- shared this desire. I opened up vulnerably, sharing this is what I wish was true. Do you think it's possible that God is okay with this? Hmm. And He's someone that uh, would never budge on that, um, as far as I understood at that point. So I expected Him to very kindly, very gently say. No, I don't think so. But I think here's a way of forward in grace with Jesus. But he didn't say that. He said, well, you know, the only way to find out is to go back to the Bible, read it more, and pray about it, and invite God to show you. Hmm. And I had never had someone permit me the space to dream that God might be okay with the way I wanted to um, love and, and find love and marriage and partnership. Mm. And it was an extraordinary gift. Wow. And, um, and I'm so grateful for it. And so then that opened the door to a whole bunch of, so uh, um, a whole bunch of uh, research projects. Like, so I'm a biblical studies major. And so I did a whole bunch of, of researching and kept finding the conclusion. Ah, it's, just traditional there's no other way and so i'd put it back on the shelf and then i would feel like oh, i need to bring it out again because this just won't go away and eventually i got to the point place where i was like here's other arguments from scripture that make it sound plausible so even though um a really close reading of scripture looks uh you can probably make a, a more airtight case for a traditional way with these particular ways of reading the bible um, there is a really plausible, really possible way of, of reading it that affirms gay sexuality. And mm-hmm. um, and as I prayed and fasted through it, I never got the no that I was inviting from God. 
never. There was only ever compassionate <clears throat> hospitality uh, from his spirit. And so I kind of took the jump. And I was like, well, I'm going to live as if this is true. And that's kind of when I reached out and found you. Wow. I just, okay. I thought about what I wanted to say, and it ties in very nicely right now. You know, thank God for that human that, that gave you, that gave you permission or an invitation to create space for yourself to find the answers. Um, Mm -hmm. the Bible is a tool in which we can use to feel inspired. Um, I did have someone, Coach Yema was on the podcast in June who Mm -hmm. talked about, you know, you know, what she would do is she would, she still does to this day, use the Bible as looking for ancient truth. And if it leads into a place of love, it's ancient truth. If it leads into a place of fear and scarcity and closed offness, that's not Christ. And so for someone to give you permission to do that, what a beautiful human. And I remember what I was going to say earlier, it blows my mind how many people, when people they love come out, how many people choose to love their church over their own flesh and blood. That to me mm-hmm. is feels as if that's the antithesis of Christ. So I love that that person mm-hmm. didn't tell you what you wanted to hear and also didn't stand staunch in their belief, but instead said, look inside, in a way, in their own way, with their own Christian rhetoric, said, look inside. And that mm-hmm. led you to me and to the program, mm-hmm. which we'll get mm-hmm. to. I love that. I'm grateful. Brandon, where did we leave off, Brandon? Oh, Brandon was uh, anti-gay and making lives for other I was, people uh, a lot harder. Continue. Just yeah, I was, Bully. I was <laughs> shaking kids down for their lunch money. Um, yeah. No, I, I mean, in in high school, I like was the first time I had a, a group of guy friends, and so I was trying really hard oh, sure. um, to be to be very straight. Um, Preserve that, <clears throat> yeah, that fitting in. Yeah. Um, and then, uh, outside of high school, I went to a very small Christian liberal arts college, um, where I didn't major in religious studies, but I essentially had to minor in it. Um, and, but I, I was a STEM major. I was in biology and chemistry. And one thing I really loved, um, there was that, uh, science and faith don't have to be against each other they don't have to be in conflict um one of my professors was a was a like big bigger name and i think it was called the biologos movement which is like god has his hand in in the way the world is working um but he's not you know he's not doing the whole creation epic every day for us and you know so some things are happening by his will and some things are happening just because they're gonna happen hmm um <clears throat> so anyone listening to this evolution is real <laughs> <laughs> dinosaurs um, existed dinosaurs did exist um <laughs> no uh but in college i i think i switched from being more of a bully and more into self-regulating um sure i continued to try to date girls here and there um but nothing ever felt right Anytime uh, a gay man would approach me, um, I'd you know try to run away as fast as possible um, because it was not something I was interested in in pursuing. Um, though my browser history would say otherwise. 
Been there. <laughs> yeah. Um, <laughs> um, yeah. Uh, and there were a few, a few like, uh, like drunk interactions with people that, you know, brought a lot of shame because I didn't know how to, I didn't have anyone to talk about it with. Um, and the people they happened with were people that were friends um, or people that I knew that I didn't necessarily feel comfortable having a debriefing conversation about it. Like, Hey, we got drunk and fooled around. What does that mean? Um, they're all married run, to women now. So fight, flight, yeah. freeze. Yeah. <laughs> um, Which is confusing. Cause college, like, I also want to say that like, just because someone has a sexual experience with someone of the same gender does not mean they're gay. So it is confusing because for so long, I thought that I was quote unquote, just experimenting. Well, looking back upon reflection, I recognize when you know what the end result is, it's not experimenting anymore. <laughs> but that doesn't mean like, I, I think I, I want to give credit to straight men because I think it is really hard to be, I hope I don't get like, I hope I can't, I hope I don't get canceled for saying this, but I think it is hard to be a man as well, right? A straight man as well, because there's so much toxic masculinity and why can't straight men be feminine? Why can't straight men experiment like, like straight women can. Right. And so it is hard. We are all put in a box and that just makes it a little more confusing for gay men because it's like, well, maybe that was just college or whatever, but it just makes it a little more agonizing and more confusing. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Trying to, trying to fit in a box that you think, I mean, it's, it's, it's similar. You're trying to fit in a box that you just don't understand or it doesn't fit for you. Mm-hmm. Yeah, totally. Yeah. Um, so then we were, yeah, where did we leave off? So I went through college. Experimenting. I did a yeah. little bit of experimenting. Um, and then I went and worked at a summer camp. Um, I worked there all through college in the summers. And then I went and stayed there and worked all year round for two years after I graduated. And I remember having met a lot more, not I remember, I did meet a lot more queer people um, working at that camp and a lot of people that just assumed I was part of their community, um, which was not Mm -hmm. something I identified with. Um, And a few of those people I'm still very, I'm very close with now, but um, you know, they just all assumed I was, I was gay or queer and uh never really talked about it much with the exception of like my, um, my work mom that was there who was, um, also evangelical and very Christian and, um, was also kind of part of the like prop eight movement and stuff when we were younger and I knew her when I was in high school. Um, but the real changing point for me coming out of that space was um, when both of her daughters came out like Hmm. around the same time that I stopped working there um, and moved home uh, because it was seeing her change now that she had a reference point to it um, and wanting to be more affirming and loving to her daughters um, was, was a pretty, pretty wild thing to experience. Um, even though I was not ready to, to share that with my parents. So then I moved home, home, 
lived with my grandma for a couple years and then was further self-regulating and uh, trying to figure out whether or not I was going to be gay or going to continue to hide it or um, potentially no longer exist. Hmm. Very similar crossroads to Tim. Yeah. Where in line with us, yeah, where in line with us meeting was that? So I think that was like a couple years before I met you. Yeah. Um, Would you say that that was about the darkest? Absolutely. Yeah, I remember coming home from work one day and walking in and telling my grandma that I was depressed and she did not have the ability to respond to it. And she just said, okay, honey. And that was it. Mm, And I was like, oh, well, maybe today's today's the day. Mm, Wow. It's really hard for me not to get emotional. Uh, I mean, God, I can't even preach about pride without getting emotional. Um, and I think, you know, while I make a joke earlier about how, like, I get very fiery and very defensive and my ministry is not helping others to change, my ministry is to help those who have been burned. While I say that sort of lightheartedly, um, it's just because I see so much of the hurt and the pain that so many people feel. Ugh. Mm-hmm. and it's so unfair it's so unfair and it's so wrong and if people really knew if people really really knew how scary it is and so i'm saying this out loud publicly for two reasons reason number one most importantly so i care about the most if you're listening to this and you are in the closet as well you're not alone the feelings that you're feeling are not wrong and it is scary. Your feelings are right. It is scary. We'll get more to those people. I want to talk to those people more later. Um, but I also say it for people who are struggling, allies, or, or straight people who are struggling, like the people Tim was talking about, to choose church or to choose people. The church is people. The body of Christ is made up of people and we are all made in the image and likeness Mm -hmm. of God. And while you don't have to agree, I would implore you to continue to keep searching for love, not searching for what you have always been taught. Faith is not certainty. Faith is sitting in the discomfort of the unknown and saying, I will choose love in this moment right now, whatever that means. So that being said, Tim, we're at your crossroads uh, when that bubble was about to burst and that's when we met and we met on Instagram and what was it like first talking to me and hearing about the program? What was that like for you? Oh my goodness. I just love these men so much. (laughs) How can you not? Um, Originally I had planned on this being a one part episode, but uh, I looked at the clock and I'm like, Oh my gosh, by the time we were done, it was over an hour and time just flies when you talk to people that you enjoy talking to. I am just, again, so honored to be part of their journey. And this is only the first half. So come back next week, y'all. Next week, we're going to pick up where we left off. And you'll hear kind of what their journeys were like starting a year ago when they had the courage to say yes to themselves. Um, 
and we'll go from there. Thank you again for being a part of this journey. And once again, if you want to reach out to me, do so. Really do so. There's a voice in your head that's saying, just do it. You have nothing to lose. There will always be a thousand reasons why you shouldn't say yes to yourself. Take that one step. What's the worst that could happen? All right, y'all. Happy Pride. Enjoy the rest of this month. And I will see you next week.